please pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning time. I thank you, Lord, that you have awakened in us a longing already, that your spirit is within our spirit, crying out to you for your presence. We pray, Lord Jesus, that we would be with you who are with us, even now, especially during this Advent season. Amen. You may be seated. So on a dark morning like this, I'm thinking, man, I wish it was lighter. I mean, um, if you're like me and you've got any Scandinavian blood in you, as my dad reminded me yesterday, there's a hint of melancholy in the Scandinavian blood. And I said, a hint? <laughs> it's, uh, it's actually quite distressing sometimes how much melancholy there can be. And then when you don't get the light and you don't get the vitamin D and all that kind of stuff, it's like, oh, Lord. Come, and that's, in a way, what I, I want us to begin to say with all of our being. Come, if it's a dark moment in your life, I want you to pray. Come, come, Lord Jesus. And uh, we cry out at this time of year. This is a season of penitence. It's uh, called Advent, and it has to do with the coming of the Lord. It's not just a future coming, and it's not just a past coming. It's a, it's a current coming as well. Um, in fact, they call it the three comings of the Lord because he has come when he came as a babe long ago and he is coming through his continuous outpouring of the Holy Spirit and he will come in a very definitive and final and complete way at the end of the age. And we're right here in the midst of this kind of in-between of his first coming and the second coming, but we're not bereft. We have a longing for greater fulfillment but even in the longing, there is a fullness. Even in the pining, there is the presence. So you've heard me say this before. Penitence comes from the same root as to pine, which means to long. Um, usually we think of the word pining with respect to uh, the uh, old romances, right? You know, the, the, um, the lovers that are separated, so they, they pine for their beloved to be back, to return from war or whatever it may be, they pine. And in a way, it's a really good connotation for us to grab hold of in this season. It's a season of penitence where we're aware of things that may be missing, but it's also having tasted and known, and even now, through the Spirit, having that longing give us a foretaste of the joy and the finality of his complete coming later on. So that's kind of where I want us to continue to return is the presence that is in the midst of our longing, the presence in the midst of our pining. Because I, I think what we struggle with is how I feel this morning. It's like, yeah, it's morning time, but it's dark outside, you know. And yes, I've had moments where God has met me and I've had little tastes and glimpses of his goodness, but that seems like a long time ago now. And it feels very little right now. And the little I do have seems so inadequate compared to what I long for. And it's like we say yes to the kingdom, but. Yes, but, great, but, great, but. You know, there's the yes, but. We do this a lot. And what I think the Lord would have for us in this Advent season is not yes, but, it'd be yes, and. Um, that, that in the midst even of the things that we're aware that are a little bit not quite right, 
the ways in which our homes are not fully the home that we wish for, the ways in which our children have gone, the ways in which our own heart has wandered, and we're plagued with guilt, and we know we're not quite right, to know that even now that the kingdom is here through the Spirit, through the blood of Jesus, to be able to cleanse us, to bring us and renew us in his presence, even now, that in the midst of our longing, there's a gift of his presence. We don't have to be in between in a despairing way. If things seem little compared to what we long for, don't despise the little things. In fact, that's one of the words from our Old Testament passage this morning. It's uh, from the prophecy of Isaiah. And he was the, one of the later prophets when Israel, we talked about this in Sunday school, they're actually, most of them are not in the Holy Land right now. There's a remnant of Israel that's in the Holy Land still. They're still in Jerusalem. But so many of them had been sort of taken out. They were overtaken by an occupying kingdom called Babylon. And uh, probably at this time, Persia is reigning over them. This would be modern day Iran, I guess you could say. And um, they have some good things going on. Like for instance, they've just renewed the temple and um, uh, there's a high priest in place named Joshua and there's a new governor of Jerusalem named Zerubbabel, but the the new temple seems kind of small. The new temple is just kind of disappointing. I mean, yes, it's good, yes, it's good, but. And um, there is a sense of incompleteness about it. Thank you, Lord, for doing this, but boy, uh, some of us remember the glory of the old temple. And so what the Lord says to them is don't, don't despise these little beginnings. Don't despise the cornerstone that's been laid here because this is a cornerstone that is all-powerful. It's a cornerstone that has the very presence of God in it, and he will bring it to completion. And he begins to prophesy what eventually is fulfilled in Jesus, who is the cornerstone. He is the one who has the fullness of the Spirit. He has the, the sevenfold, the need, utter completeness of the Holy Spirit. He is the King of kings. He is the one who is and has and will usher in a complete governing of God and everything that we long for. The things that we remember that were good, the things that we taste a little bit that are really good, the things that will be ultimately fulfilled in a fabulous way, these are now inaugurated in him. We talked about this in Sunday school. I love the, the image that um, Father Steve used in some Sunday school. I'm just going ahead and steal it and depart a little bit from my script. Not that I'm ever really very scripted, but... Um, he was talking about these different comings in Advent. I don't know if he even realized that that's what he was doing, but I'm going to just apply that <laughs> and read into what he was saying. But it's kind of like there's certain things that happen and then they're completely done. And he said, it's kind of like, you know, when you eat a whole pizza and you eat the whole pizza and then that pizza is completely done. And a whole bunch of us, like the kids and me especially, said, no, let it not be. <laughs> because I want more pizza. <laughs> Some of us who have an addiction to pizza, this is particularly poignant. <laughs> the idea that that would be actually done, that that's just all past, right? And, um, and yet there is a way in which Jesus came, and he did bring a kingdom, and he announced it, the kingdom has come. And, and yet there were things that weren't fulfilled, so even as the Lord's ascending and saying, is now when you're going to fully restore the kingdom? Because we also still have an occupying power, and their day it was Rome. 
And we also still have an occupying power. We understand that the kingdom is much more about the presence of God right now than I think even the disciples at that time. But we know that there are things in our lives that are missing. So the fullness isn't completely there. And we think, oh man, oh, those disciples, boy, did they have it good. I always think about Peter. Peter could just walk and his shadow would heal somebody. Man, that was cool. If only. Yes, thank you, Lord, for saving me. But, yes, thank you, Lord, for bringing my daughter back to you when we prayed for years that she would come back. But, and I want more pizza. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm fooling around a little bit because pizza actually could be an addiction. Um, but, what I want to say is that there's a real hunger and a real thirst that the Lord is in. He's actually in that. And he has fed you, he is feeding you, and he's going to take you to a tremendous pizza banquet beyond anything that you could ever imagine. You know, I, I, I can't help but think of this. Leaf and Dad, you'll know exactly where I'm going to go. I bet you're thinking about Leaf is nodding his head. He, I, I did not tell him. Peru is pizza, right? So when we grew up in New York, and there's nothing like a true New York-style pizza. Sorry, Chicago fans. Sorry. And we've got some other New Yorkers nodding their head right here. And uh, there is a place called Peruna's Pizza, with, especially every Christmas Eve. Um, Mom and Dad and Leaf and I would go to Peruna's Pizza in the town that we grew up in. And we would be served by this old lady with a smoker's raspy voice and a black polyester with white collar shirt. And she would give us this, this, um, this, white, this milk with grenadine in it because we were just kids and we couldn't have wine. It was at Wisconsin. <laughs> and, but we had that really sweet milk and that was really good. But it was nothing compared to the pizza. Oh, that pizza was the best pizza and like, oh, the pizza I've had at Wells Brothers is good, but I knew Peruna's pizza. That was pizza. And Wells Brothers is really good, by the way, if you haven't gone up to Racine. <laughs> One of the top ten in the country, supposedly. But friends, there is a pizza made in heaven that is going to be overwhelmingly good, and it's a good thing to long for that. It's a good thing to long for that. There's a banquet that's to come and it will, it will fulfill the longings of our heart. It will set right the things that are wrong. I've got to depart from the pizza analogy as much as I hate to because there's so much more to this than just the infilling. There's also the dealing with the things that are operating against you, right? I think one of the troubles that Israel's feeling right now in the midst of this Zechariah prophecy is that there's actually a lot of forces that are arrayed against them. There's still opposition. And they're, they're kind of trapped in it, just as the disciples' um, Israel was as well by Rome. And I think we still feel trapped by it too. We're in the midst of a spiritual battle. We prayed today that we put on the armor of light, and it's because we're in a spiritual battle. And we're battling against not flesh and blood, but principalities that are here to discourage us. In fact, the way that it's put in, in Zechariah is that there is, there's an accuser as an accuser, and he is, he's poking at us, and he's messing with our thoughts, and he's trying to discourage us. He's trying to make us live out of a worry rather than a longing. And so what, what happens is that the promise of Zechariah is that you're going to overcome. 
The promise of Zechariah is that, in fact, I'm gonna make a way for you to escape from your oppressors, and I'm gonna do it so profoundly, it's gonna be changing the complete geography of Israel. So there's this mountain range, it's called the Mount of Olives here in um, the passage that we read in Zechariah, and it's just to the east of Jerusalem. And one of the problems is when you had, when you had military oppressors come in and invade Jerusalem, they were trapped basically. If they were attacked from the west or the north or the south, they would be trapped. And Mount of Olives could not be a good escape route because it was a mountain. And what God is saying is, in the day of the Lord, in the fulfillment of the kingdom, I'm going to make a way for you to get out of the oppression that you're in. And within our own lives, I think there's all kinds of oppression, right? I, I think there's the oppression sometimes of the world, sometimes of our legal courts. There's the oppression that comes from the sense of guilt because the accuser's poking his finger at us and saying, you know, it's, it is your trouble. You've brought it upon yourself and you deserve everything that you're getting. And, and you're aware, like, you know, I'm, I'm coming to church today. This was the imagery used of the, the high priest of that time, whose name was Joshua, and his clothes were dirty. And, and Israel knew that a lot of the trouble they were in was because it was their fault. I mean, some of the things that they had done were, were actually egregious. They had followed other gods. They'd compromised. They'd not lived according to the will of God. I mean, they kept the feasts and the fasts, but they... They didn't live in the presence of God, which is what we're talking about. It was like an outward compliance, but not an inward reality. So they didn't live in grace. They didn't live in the spirit. And, and, and the Lord's coming and saying, it's, it's not by your, by your religious compliance. And it's not by forcing it into the, the way that you're going to live, that you're going to arrive. It's by my spirit that this is going to happen. It's by my spirit, it's by my presence. I feel like this whole year, if we can learn how to be in the presence of God who is with us right now, that all the longings of our heart and even the opposition of the world and the enemy who's accusing us right now will be dealt with. In the presence of God, we will be clothed in righteousness instantly. Because when the spirit comes, that's what he does. And that's the picture they have in this book called Zechariah of the high priest. He's clothed in white robes then. And it means that he's ready to come into the presence of God. Everything is provided for. Whether there's an op opposition that's coming against you from an enemy or a frenemy, isn't that sometimes the worst part of our situation right now is that there are people that are aligned against us that might even be in our own family. Or it's our own internal finger pointing that's taking up the accusation along with the enemy. That's so destructive. And the Lord will just, he wants to come with his spirit to clothe you again. Say, look, I want you to just come into my presence. I'm clothing you. You have a defender. It is the presence of God. It is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is sometimes called the defender. He's sometimes called the advocate. That's how Jesus describes him. He is the presence of God who is saying to you right now, come into the holy presence of God now. Come into my presence. The longing that you feel. And then if you feel like, I, can't, I don't deserve to come into the presence, he's saying, let me clothe you. Let my mercy and grace clothe you. And let me convert your heart, which was unfaithful, to a heart that is faithful. My spirit's going to do it, not power and not might. My spirit is going to do it. 
So come. I mean, so much of the prayer that we are crying out to the Lord this entire season of come, Lord Jesus, is really a way of us saying, I come to you, Lord. You're here already. I need to come to you. In fact, I want your coming to be so real that I want it to be within my own body, within my own thoughts, within my own longings, within my own feelings. Come, Lord Jesus. Make present now your coming in me. Make present now your spirit in me. Convert my longing, convert my gift, my, my guilt to your presence. Now, come, Lord Jesus. One of the wonderful promises of Zechariah is that when we're clothed in the spirit, is that then we have grace, then we have truth, all the things of real life, all the things of the kingdom which is to come start being real here now. And then days that are like this, are like, that seem dark, are like an evening in Israel, which is the beginning of a new day. Our, our eyes are changed. We see this kind of dark day as a beginning of new life. We see it. We feel it. We know it in the spirit. We might still have things that we long to be fulfilled, but even that that prayer of longing and pining is an expression of being clothed in the Spirit. His presence is calling us to pray, come. That's how John puts it at the end of Revelation. The Spirit and the bride say, come, Lord Jesus. The Spirit and the bride say, the Spirit within us, and we are the bride, the church, and we're saying, come, Lord Jesus. His advocacy for us is expressed in a heart that longs for him to come, and even that is an expression of his presence now. So come, Lord Jesus. You know, there's things that are wrong in the world, and I think the way that we typically respond to it is we think, oh, Lord, I wish things would be back the way they were. I want Peruna's pizza again. Or I I wish they were the way the things were seven years ago before I screwed everything up. And that's kind of where Israel's at. And we keep thinking, oh, more, Lord. And I I thought you promised. And he's saying, "I, I have promised. And it will be. And it has already. It's a sure thing. And by my spirit, you know it because it's like a down payment of something that will be fulfilled. A down payment of something that will be complete. So you can have confidence, but it's only in the spirit. It's not by mustering. I mean, as much energy as I'm using here out of my physical body, that's nothing. I actually feel very weak. I came into this service feeling weak because partly of my melancholy. (laughs) But in that weakness, in the presence of God, even that becomes a prayer. Even that becomes an expression of the kingdom. So in a way, what I think the Lord is saying is don't be afraid even of the longing. Lewis talks about this. He talks about this this weird kind of interplay between joy and longing. You know, there's this joy and longing thing. We might remember nostalgically a time when the Lord was really with us, and that quickens in us a longing, and then we have a little bit of a taste of it. That's joy, and that makes us long for more, and that's longing. And there's this interesting interplay of breathing in and out and in and out. And so don't be afraid of the longing, but let the spirit within take that longing and make it expression of presence. 
because the fullness will come. Don't despise little beginnings. Don't despise the fact that it doesn't seem as good as it once was because the truth is that the Lord is gonna, he's gonna come in. He's gonna change the geography of your life. He, in fact, is gonna change the mountains of death even that lock you in. I mean, the, the real problem of life is death, isn't it? And Jesus in his resurrection, we have a down pain of that life in the spirit right now. Even that is not gonna win in the end because his kingdom has already come and it will carry you from this life of weakness into strength, from strength to strength. Wow, it's an incredible promise. So if life seems like it's closing in on you a little bit, listen to the children sing. <laughs> there is another promise. Uh, it just reminds me, you know, in, in the coming kingdom, Nobody's going to die young. Everybody's going to live to old. old they're going to fill out the fullness of their years. And you'll hear the sounds of children in the coming kingdom. That's what it's like. It'll be like a fullness of life and a fullness of family. And if that doesn't seem that way to you right now, and it actually feels a little bit more oppressive, and it feels maybe a little bit guilty right now with regret, I think what Jesus would say to you is what he said in our gospel today. I want you to see those things not as just distress, not as just something like, some of us wake up with panic attacks in the morning, I know this. Some of us wake up with anxiety and worry. And he's saying, like, don't, I don't want you to worry, and I don't want you to cure your worry by just checking out or being drunk. I want you to take that and convert it into prayer in my spirit. Because all these things that you see as distress closing in on you right now, they're actually signs of the coming kingdom. Like think about the fig tree in the spring, right? It starts to bloom. You know it's spring because of that. And the kingdom's gonna be fulfilled and fruit's gonna come off that tree. That spirit that you have just a little bit of flowing into your tree right now of your life, that spirit is budding life right now in you. It's awakening that desire and that longing in you. Let it and pray. Don't check out and be resigned. Let the longing become a prayer. Let the longing become a prayer of his presence. Because the kingdom which is to come is beautiful. It's magnificent. Jesus would tell the disciples, these big stones you see, Herod's temple was better than the temple that the, the folks in those days were seeing. And they're like, oh, these are really cool big stones. Aren't they amazing? They're beautiful. They're majestic. Nothing compared to the temple that can't be shaken and the beauty of that. And that beauty is ours even now in the spirit, in the prayers, the prayers of longing. So if it seems like things are closing in on you. Let that become a prayer. Because right now, in Jesus, those are signs of the kingdom. Those are signs of an even better pizza dish that is to come. The family isn't quite together. Let that become a prayer of when all families are gathered together. All families and the completeness 
which is to come, that can be birthed in us as a prayer right now. And that prayer is powerful. That's why the church always comes back to it in Advent. Come, Lord Jesus. And when the Spirit is present in the church, she, the bride of Christ, prays, come, Lord Jesus. So let that be your prayer in Advent. Come, Lord Jesus. Whatever is oppressing you, hurting you, let that become a prayer, Lord Jesus. Oh, man, Christina, I'm looking at you right now. I cannot believe. So Christine is after the ninth month, right? And it's the sense of expectancy is a burgeoning one in Christina. I want you to let it burgeon in you, okay? Because there is a joy which is to come, which I know with all the kicking and quickening that are going, that's probably going on right now, there's a little bit of joy. And boy, Lord, come. Let the longings of your heart and even the distress of the labor that may be in front of you turn into a prayer of his presence that is joy even now. Longing and joy. Presence right now that becomes a prayer. So pray with me. Oh, Lord Jesus, you love us so much. You love us enough to pour out your spirit within, to pour down your spirit from above, to give us a plentiful and abundant life, a banquet, the best banquet of all. Lord Jesus, awaken in your church a prayer for your coming. Lord Jesus, come. Come even now in our bodies, Lord. In these bodies that have been unfaithful to you, come, Lord Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, cleanse us of all unrighteousness that we might, like the high priest, come right into your presence and make these prayers, prayers of presence, Lord. Little down payments that will be fulfilled in your kingdom. Lord, break down the walls that, that are folding in on us. Lord, cut in half the mountains that have trapped us. Come, Lord Jesus, well up within us and make us a people of prayer who say, come, Lord Jesus. Make us a people of your spirit who advocates even now that you would come and be fully expressed in the life of this church. We pray this in your holy name seeking your glory and the redemption of all the people, us and even those who do not yet know they are part of your fault. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.